All right, so this past weekend, I went on vacation with my family. And it's always so fun to go hang out with my kids and my wife, just away from all the distractions of life, all the obligations, all the stuff like that. And we went to this place over in Colorado Springs called Great Wolf Lodge. And if you don't, some of you have heard of this, it's pretty awesome. If you don't know what it is, it's basically if Bananas Fun Park and Cabela's got married and had a baby and their baby was a hotel. Um, and so there's like wolves everywhere, there's like antlers, it, it's like you're being inside of a Cabela's but there's a water park and a high ropes course. And it, this place is insane, like they do it really, really well. It was super fun to watch my kids enjoy. But also when you're in a hotel room with your small children for four days, it's a lot. It's a lot, and I love my kids, that's not what I'm saying. I love spending time with them, but it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot, it's a small space, we're all together, we're all breathing the same air, and it's a lot. And so we decided we needed to get out of the hotel. We needed to go explore the area around a little bit. And, and so we, that's what we did. We went outside and we drove around, we found this giant, massive sporting goods store called Shields. Now, I had never, like I had heard of this place, but I didn't understand what it was. And Shields is like, it's like a sporting goods store, but it's all the sports. You know how there's like Cabela's sporting goods store, where it's like hunting and fishing and like stuff that I don't know how to do. And then there's like REI sporting goods store, where there's like mountain biking and hiking and the stuff that I know how to do. And then there's like Dick's sporting goods, and that's all the stuff that I was really bad at and stopped doing. It's all of those in one, and it's massive. Like, imagine if 4640 was one giant sporting goods store and then put another one on top of it. Like, it is insanely big. So big, in fact, that when you walk in the door, there's a full aquarium. And not like a fish tank like you have at home, like an aquarium aquarium. Like you walk in and there's these big clear arches and there's just fish swimming around everywhere. My daughter was like, look, it's Dory. And it was super cute. And she ran up there and was looking at it. And then once you step through the archway aquarium, there's a Ferris wheel. Like a Ferris wheel, Ferris wheel, a giant one. And as I mentioned, I have young children. And one of those young children is the exact age and demographic where things like a Ferris wheel inside of a sporting goods store is like the coolest thing ever. So my oldest daughter sees this and she freaks out. She loses her mind. Like, we're going on it. I don't care what you say. We're going on it. And so we're like, okay, all right. We never said no. Back, back off. And so we go and we pay and my sweet wife decided she was going to take her on there. Now, I don't know what we were thinking because my wife is super pregnant. And super pregnant people can't go on carnival rides like Ferris wheels. They just don't allow it because it's not safe. But we didn't think anything of it. So she goes up there and the guy's like, sorry, you can't do that. Plot twist, right? Not that big of a plot twist. We knew it was coming. And so that meant that I now had to ride the Ferris wheel. Actual plot twist, I'm real afraid of heights. Like real, <laughs> not okay with it. Especially when it's on something that like swings and I'm not in control of. And so I can't be the rain on my daughter's parade. Like I can't do it. I'm dad, I have to be the cool fun one, right? And so I am like, okay, fine, I'll do it. But guys, I was freaking out. And I knew it was not gonna go well from the moment that I like got in the little chair thing and the seat belt, the like thing that holds you in, looked like it came out of like a truck from the 1940s. Like this seat belt fought in Vietnam and it's now supposed to take care of my life. Like it was, I just was, I don't know what's gonna happen. And so we get there, we get buckled in and I am holding on for dear life. But it's a Ferris wheel. So I look like a giant dork and my age 
eight-year-old is laughing at me. But I'm doing okay. Like, I'm keeping it together. We're doing, like, the big full rotation, and I'm, like, trying to distract myself, although I'm acting like I'm distracting her because uh, she's scared. She's not. I'm a weenie. And I was like, look, a kayak. Oh, cool, camo jackets, fishing poles. Nice. And we do, like, two big full circles. And then we get down to the bottom, and I go, oh, finally. Nope. We go back up to the top. What happens on a Ferris wheel when you do two full rotations and then you go back up to the top. Does anybody know? They stop it. I learned something this weekend. Do you know why they do that? Because they're mean. They're mean-spirited and they like to pick on grown men who have fear of very rational things like falling to their death. And so I am scared of heights and they take us all the way up there and we stop at the very top. And there was this college bro running this Ferris wheel and he had a mustache and it was not a good mustache. And you could tell that it was inspired by the new Top Gun movie. But instead of being like Rooster, it was more like Hey Hey from Moana, right? It was like that level of chicken mustache. And so this college bro with the bad mustache hits the brakes like he is trying to save a school bus full of children from going over a cliff. Hits the brakes. We go spinning, almost do a full flip, which isn't true, but that's what it felt like. And I was faced with a choice. Do I be content in this moment and choose to see the circumstance for what it is and choose to understand I'm fine. There's thousands of people ride this a day. Nothing bad is going to happen to me. And I'm going to make a beautiful memory with my daughter that we're going to probably talk about on her wedding day. It'll be a super special moment about, Dad, do you remember the Ferris wheel? And, and then there's some cheesy song is playing and we're dancing. I'm like, I remember the Ferris wheel. Or do I do what I actually did, which was lose my ever-loving mind? I lost it. I freaked out. We went like this, and I went, ah! And I, I, whoa, man, I grabbed it as tight as I could. And then mostly after that, the struggle was internal. I kept it together pretty well, but dad was straight up not having a good time. It was so scary. But instead of choosing to be content in that moment, Instead of choosing to face my fear and seeing that everything was going to be fine, I was going to be safe, I chose to let the moment choose for me. I choose to let my fear and my circumstance get in the way and make the decision for me. And guys, in life, we are always faced with choices. We're faced with an infinite amount of choices at any moment in the day, whether it's Chick-fil-A or Chipotle or Spotify or podcasts or Netflix or Hulu or sad or happy, football or basketball, homework or TikTok, read the Bible or scroll Instagram mindlessly. The list goes on and on and on forever. We are faced with so many choices at any moment in our day. And because we are faced with all these choices, we face a danger of being paralyzed into not being able to make decisions. And we're going to call that choice fatigue. Everybody say choice fatigue. What choice fatigue is, is when you have to make a choice so often that it causes you to feel anxiety about choosing the simplest thing. The simplest choice becomes so exhausting. It becomes so difficult to make a decision that you would rather just give up and do nothing. Choose the easiest path. Choose the path of least resistance and get out of making any other choice. And this isn't a lecture to make you guys feel bad. Like, I am probably top 10% in the world being a guilty of this. Like, I would rather spend hours a day on TikTok than do the dishes. I would rather play video games for the rest of my life than mow the lawn. And I would rather sit there and watch baseball than make another grown-up choice. But the truth is, this leads to a dangerous road of refusing to choose how to interact with life. It, it causes us to go down this path of not just struggling to choose what to eat, 
Not just struggling to choose who to hang out with or what to watch or what to wear, but, but how do we deal with pain? How do we deal with tough situations in life? How do we make a decision when we're facing something for real and very serious? And we have two choices when it comes to this kind of decision. We can choose to be content or we can choose to do nothing. To be content or to have contentment is to find a sense of happiness or satisfaction. And this isn't some kind of like temporary happiness like the new Billie Eilish song creates. It's not some kind of temporary happiness that the fries, when they are straight out the fryer at Chick-fil-A, create. Amen? Uh, That's a spiritual experience. That'll change your life. But this is a sense of happiness that dwells deep from a place within us, knowing that God has it figured out. It's a sense of knowing that everything will be okay, but at the end of the day, I will be okay. That is contentment with Jesus. That is experiencing contentment with God. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Guys, that's us. Here at 4640, we love God. We pursue him, we worship him, and we love him. And that means that we are called according to his purposes. And that means that he works everything. Everybody say everything everything together for our good. He wants us to experience his goodness and his grace in every moment in life, including the difficulty. In fact, he wants to partner with us in the difficult moments so that we don't just survive them, but that we thrive and grow in them in spite of the attack, in spite of the pain, in spite of what we are facing in life. It's profoundly simple to act, to choose to see him in the moment. It's profoundly simple to be content. It it looks like literally saying, this is my situation, and I choose to see where Jesus is in it. But it feels too good to be true. You're telling me that all I have to do is just look at the crushing weight of my parents' divorce and their constant fighting and just choose to see God and all my problems will go away? Yeah, kind of, but not really also. Like, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it is that simple. And it reminds me of this story. Like, I, I know this guy who, who faced a lot of ups and downs in his life. I know this guy who, that when he was little, he had some health problems. And they weren't, like, serious, like, real health problems. They were just, he had, like, an absurd amount of allergies. Like, a lot of seasonal allergies. Allergic to grass, allergic to pollen, the wind, um, allergic to anything that grows, basically. And on top of that, he had asthma. So when his nose was all stuffed up and he couldn't breathe through it, he also couldn't breathe through his mouth because his lungs were stuffed up too. So he's just generally itchy and wheezy and miserable. And so his parents start to take notice of this, thankfully, otherwise that'd be awkward. They just have like a purple itchy kid all the time. And so they, they took notice of this and they take him to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, let's put him on this steroid. It's kind of new. We don't know a ton about it. It's not like an experimental thing, but it should help. We've seen a lot of results in people that are very positive in this. And so That's what they do. They put him on this steroid. But because they don't know a ton about the steroid, they don't know that it causes a hormone imbalance in kids. And they don't know that that hormone imbalance all of a sudden caused this 10-year-old to start going through puberty, which is already awkward, except for the fact that this 10-year-old went halfway through puberty and then stopped. So his feet grew to size 11. He started getting acne. And then he started to grow a beard at 10 years old, in fifth grade, and because of his literal goofy feet and his awkward neck beard, he started to get teased and made fun of. 
at school because he, he didn't fit in. He looked different than everybody. He was kind of scary looking, honestly, and, and he struggled to make friends. And, it, and it's, it's a little silly, but it's, it's kind of serious, too. Like, nobody likes to get made fun of. Nobody likes to get poked fun of for the way they look. And so he started to feel really lonely at school, and, and he also started to feel really lonely at home. You see, his parents worked all the time. He had good, loving parents who tried really hard and did all that they could, but they just worked a lot, and so they just weren't around. So he's lonely at school, and he's lonely at home. But thankfully, he had, he had something that he really loved to do. He loved to play baseball. And he, he was so much fun. He loved it. He, he was good at it. And, and he tried to find his meaning and his comfort in baseball and his contentment in baseball. But, but that's not how it works. You see, he was hiding from his pain. He was choosing to let his circumstances choose for him. And rather than face them, and at church, when he went, asked Jesus for help, he chose to just do nothing. And, and, and hopefully, baseball would fix that. But when he turned 11 and went to middle school, he had to stop playing like the little kid league baseball and he had to move up to the older kid league baseball. He had to go from the minors to the majors. And, and so when he did his tryouts, he did really well. He did awesome and he made it onto like one of the top teams. But because he made the jump and, and he didn't know anybody on this team, it was still very lonely. And in fact, the team he made it on, all of the kids on that team, they, they had been playing together for years. They had been together for so long and they had this tight-knit group and they all knew each other really well and they're, all their dads were the coaches and they had all, they were all friends outside of baseball and, and it was just a really hard group to make friends in. And, and he knew some of them from school, but they weren't friends at school. So at baseball, they were even less than friends. They were not enemies, but it was close. And so he, he tried to fit in at baseball, but, but he struggled as well and he was lonely. He's lonely at school lonely at home and, and lonely at baseball practice, and he was just lonely. And so it ended up getting worse at baseball because his coach was, his coach was really mean. His coach was kind of a jerk to him. In fact, his coach would, would call him the slow kid in front of all the players. When they would run laps at practice, he'd be like, all right, everybody, we got to run another one because this kid was slow again. And he wouldn't let him play in the game because he would tell everybody that he wasn't as good as the other kid even though he was on the all-star team with all those other kids the year before and the year before that. And even though he stood in the batter's box and hit just as well as all those other kids, the coach still told him he wasn't good enough and still told him he didn't have a place on this team. And so he ended up just quitting. He ended up just letting his circumstances choose for him and he gave up instead of choosing to see that it was the one thing he had in his life that he got enjoyment out of. And even though it couldn't bring him contentment, it was the one thing that he had fun doing. And then when he turned 12, he, he really started to struggle. You see, his parents worked all the time like we had talked about and, and they loved him and, and they did whatever they could when they were home, but they were gone a lot. And so he was home alone a lot. And because he was home alone a lot, he was free to do whatever he wanted, which sounds cool, right? It sounds awesome to be like, yeah, I have complete and total freedom. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. But when you're, when you're a kid and you don't understand and you don't know how to make good decisions for yourself because you're just not mature enough yet, it's not necessarily a good thing. You see, he, he would never do his homework because there was nobody there to make sure that he did it. He was never held accountable for his grades so he could get away with just 
not doing his homework and, and he had failed all his classes at school and got in trouble that way. And, and then when he was bored because he wasn't doing his homework, he wasn't reading, he wasn't doing any school stuff, he just, he would do whatever he could find. So he'd play video games for a while, but you know, that gets boring. And then he would watch TV, but that got boring too because they didn't have cable and you can only watch so many soap operas and episodes of Dragon Tales as a 12 year old. And so he would get bored and, and that would lead him to the computer. And then, then he would, you know, he started out playing, just playing games on the computer because they're different than the games for his Xbox. But, but then when he got bored with those games, he found himself on the internet. And he found himself looking for things and looking at things that nobody should ever look at. And, and then he would feel guilty and ashamed and he would try to hide, but all the while he couldn't stop thinking about what he saw. And then again, letting, him circum, letting his circumstances choose for him instead of choosing to look for Jesus in the moment, he gave in to the loneliness and the shame and the guilt. And every day after school, it was the same routine over and over, went straight to the computer and caused years and years of damage. A 13-year-old, he started to struggle even more. I mean, he had finally gotten off those crazy allergy and asthma medicines, but that caused his puberty that happened early to completely stop. And so now, he, you guys thought he was awkward before, but now he's in eighth grade, he's 13, he's about to go to high school, and he's five foot nothing, super skinny, just no muscle on his bones. He had super long, fluffy hair, acne all over, giant feet, and a full beard that he had to shave every day because the kids would make fun of him. They'd call him Sasquatch. They'd call him Bigfoot. They'd call him worse things than that. And so he, he already struggled to fit in, and he already was depressed. He was already sad. And so now he turned in, into it even more, and he just gave up altogether and started to struggle with his, his self-worth and his self-image, again, letting his circumstances inform himself instead of he choosing to be content. And so rather than seeing Jesus in the situation and looking in the mirror and seeing who Jesus created him to be, he saw someone he hated. Wanting to change everything that was unique about him. Wanting to change everything that God designed on purpose about him. Wanting to give up on it all together. And as he got older, he didn't deal with any of this. Again, like a, the choice fatigue, right? The more decisions we're faced with, the harder it is to make decisions. And so every time he's faced with the choice of, do I look for Jesus or do I just give up? He just, he gave up and he started to spiral into darker places and, and he no longer went to church. He no longer thought about Jesus. He, he just started to turn to drinking. Things got darker and darker, and he began to just give up completely and let his circumstances choose for him. And, and we always have a choice. We can choose to find Jesus right where we're at and right in what we're going through, or we can do nothing. We can let our circumstances choose for us. Now, plot twist. This is my story. This story is about me. This, this is what happened to me, and I struggled a lot growing up because I was searching for meaning and healing and answers in all the wrong places. I mean, I was looking for contentment in my parents, but they weren't around, so they couldn't provide it. And I was looking for it in sports, but, but I wasn't good enough at sports to find it in it, and sports can't provide that for you anyway. And I was looking for it in band and in Boy Scouts and in school and in my grades and at church and in all these different places, but none of those places could give me the identity and the calling and the truth that I need. I even looked for it at church. I went to youth group every week, but I was the kind of kid that went to youth group for the fun and the girls. And I missed out on the exact answer I needed to deal with every bit of pain I was facing at that time. 
and he was in the room with me, and his name was Jesus. Because you can be in church all you want. You can be in church every day of your life and never find Jesus in there unless you are looking for him. We have to choose to find the contentment in our life, and that looks by choosing to find Jesus in our situation. And so I want us to look at it in a, like a really like practical way. And I, and I think of it like, where's Waldo? And so like I put up this where's Waldo game here, and you're all familiar with this. Like there's the guy, Waldo, right? He's in the red and white striped hat and the shirt, and, and you look for him in all this chaos. But, but when you look at this picture, it's really easy to start to see the chaos, it's really easy to start to see the distraction and the, and the busyness and, and give up, right? This can give us choice fatigue right here in the moment. But if you really look intentionally, if you look really hard, you'll find him. I mean, it's not like he's super hard to find, right? He's wearing a bright red and white striped shirt. And so if you really look for him, you can find him. Has everybody found him yet? Okay, let's put up where he is. He's right there, dead center in the middle, like completely obvious. When you point out where he is, it was obvious where he was the whole time. Are you guys with me? Are you listening? All right. The same is true for Jesus. If we will treat our life like a Where's Waldo board and look for Jesus in it, it might be easy to see the chaos. It is easy to see the distraction. It is easy to see the pain and the busyness. It's easy to see what's going on everywhere else from where Jesus is. But if you really look, if you really stare at it hard enough and you ask, where's Jesus in this? You will find him because he's not hiding. He is right here with us. He wants to be found and he wants to be a part of what you're going through. All we have to do is choose to look for him. In the Bible, it says in the book of Philippians chapter four, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that's the apostle Paul talking. And, and he's talking about this from a place of where he's in prison and he's facing something really tough and really hard in life. He's wrongly imprisoned and, and he has chosen to see Jesus in his moment. And he says it right here. I know what it's like to live in every situation. I know what it's like to live outside of prison or inside of prison. I know what it's like to be hungry or be full or have something and nothing. And it's because Jesus gives me the strength I need to do anything. And guys, that's it. That's the answer. It's that simple. That's the secret. It's Jesus. It really is that simple. It is looking at your circumstances in the face and choosing to see that Jesus is in the middle of it and then asking him for the map out. It really is just choosing to see him. That's what it means to be content. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about right there in that scripture. He was talking about what it means to have contentment. It means to know that Jesus has already paid the price for this moment and he's right here in the middle of it. So I will ask him for the answer. That scripture doesn't say every situation except for your parents' divorce. That scripture doesn't say every situation except for an addiction to pornography. It doesn't say every situation except for depression and anxiety or suicidal thoughts or loneliness. It says, I have learned the secret to living in every situation. Guys, Jesus wants to help you with your situation. He wants to give you the strength to endure. He wants to give you the strength that you need to, to face whatever it is you're going through. 
And that comes through choosing to see him in the middle of it. And the truth is, as long as we are on this planet, we are going to be faced with trouble. And that sounds harsh. That sounds tough, but it's true. And I love all of you enough to tell you the truth. Jesus says this in the book of John, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That means that Jesus told us from the beginning, we're always gonna face trouble. As long as we're here on earth, we will have something that's hard to go through. We will, and that can feel like we're trapped. That can feel hard and that can feel tough unless we choose to see the truth of that, that Jesus has already walked through it, Jesus has already paid through it, for it, and Jesus wants to guide you through it. Jesus wants to hold your hand as you walk through that tough situation, and all we have to do is say, I choose to see you in it Lord, we need to find contentment in Jesus by finding him in our situation because we will always have a need for him and his strength. Ecclesiastes 3.22a says, So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work because that is our lot in life. Facing trouble in our life is work. It is. And we will always have something to face. But the truth is we can be happy while we're doing it. We don't have to be depressed in our circumstances. We don't have to be a victim of our circumstances. We don't have to have choice fatigue. We don't have to let our situation choose for us. We can be proactive and choose to say, hey, Jesus has got me and I've got Jesus and everything is gonna work out. It's prom he promised us that in Romans 8, remember? God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we do that by looking for Jesus. We need to choose to see Jesus in our lives instead of letting our lives choose for us. So what I want to do right now is, is I just want to pray over you guys. And, and what I want us to do is I want everybody to, to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to take a second and I want you to think about what is that, what is that situation that you're facing that's tough? What is that moment in your life you're facing right now that, that really is choosing for you, that you're just too tired to deal with, that you're just too sick of to deal with? It could be a bully at school. It could be feeling like I'm not smart enough to pass any of my classes or do any of my homework. It could be I, I feel like my, my parents like my brother more than me. It could be I feel like I don't have any friends. It could be any of the, it could be that your parents are fighting and, and threatening to get a divorce. It could be anything that you're facing that's difficult. But the truth is, Jesus has already decided the outcome of that situation. He's fighting for you and he loves you and he wants you to experience his goodness. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I choose you, where are you? So when you have that situation in your mind, I want you to look back at another tough time in your life and, and see where God may have been. Treat it like a where's Waldo, where was he? Might be hard to find him, but the truth is he was right there in the middle, right there in the center, and he was right there waiting to take your hand and, and, and show you the way. Guys, Jesus has been with you every moment of your life. And when you understand that and you see where he's been and you see what he's doing, it becomes so easy to look at what you're facing and say, I'm content, I'm good, because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to face something hard and have Jesus work it out. I know what it's like to be in a happy moment and see Jesus in it. I know what it's like to live in every situation 
and that is to choose to see Jesus in it. So Lord God, we love you so much. And Jesus, we thank you that you're right in the middle of our pain. You're right in the middle of our struggle and you're right in the middle of our circumstances. And Lord, I pray right now that you would erase all the chaos. You would erase all the busyness. You would erase all of this, this just the distraction so we don't have to hunt for you. We don't have to look for you in the where's Waldoness of life. We can just look at the picture and see you standing right there, right there in the middle of the beach saying, come on, come with me. Jesus, we thank you. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear you and to know that you are right here with us, God. God, give us the answer. Give us the, give us the way out. Show us what it is that you're doing in the moment. Show us the roadmap. Show us how you are going to work this out for our good because, God, you promised that. God, we love you, and we thank you, and we're excited to see the outcome. And, God, we choose to be content in you and with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media or our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights, and we hope to see you there.